Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient for 50% off of your first box. Visit hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand and use the promo code CanadaLand. That's hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand. Elamine Abdelmahmoud. Hello. BuzzFeed social media editor, a man on the vanguard of the new new journalism, and, oh, hey, what's this? Parenting columnist for Chatelaine magazine? Disc columnist. Oh, well. Nice to have you back. Thanks, pal. How you doing? I'm okay. Today we are going to talk about stuff named after John A. McDonald. We're going to talk about a major overhaul to the Globe and Mail coming this winter. And we're going to talk about how CBC Radio caught feelings. Yes, we are. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Matthew Kanner, Alex Newman, John Filipkowski, Tommy Lloyd, Emma Grand, Caro Camo, Kristen Tresor, and Scott Rollins. Scott, why did you decide to be awesome? I support Canada Land because by kicking in a few shekels every month, I get to be a participant as well as a listener. And this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. I mean, you, you are a busy working dad. I am. Are you a home cook by any chance? No, I'm very bad at home cooking. I'd like to start though. Well, this is a great way to start cooking. If you're, if you know, it's often when you start a family is when you start thinking a bit more about health and nutrition and also Mm -hmm. trying to save money and not do takeout so much. And HelloFresh sends you a meal kit. It's in these boxes that keep everything insulated and you've got like locally sourced ingredients and everything is measured up perfectly. And the assumption is that it's like it's cooking for dummies. It's cooking for, I don't mean to insult you, you're sitting right no, here hey, in my studio. I, that applies to me. You can't go wrong. You follow these instructions and you're cooking really interesting stuff. You're cooking stuff that is as good as what you get if you were to go get takeout or delivery. But it is noticeably more healthy because they don't really care about your health when you're ordering that stuff. Cooking, you can control these things a little bit better. And it takes the stress out of the whole ritual. You don't have to worry, like, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? You don't have to start making calculations about... That's why I don't cook. That's, that part stresses me out. This is why it becomes this huge ordeal where it's like four parts to cooking just dinner for your family. HelloFresh turns it into just 30 minutes and you're done and you've cooked something nice and healthy and you can feel good about yourself and then you learn how to cook by doing it. Into it. So check it out. HelloFresh can be tried out if you feel like this is something that you might want to try. If you've been hearing about these meal kit services, you can try it out for 50% off of your first box. 
at hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand. For listeners of this podcast, you use the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe. That's hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder, I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals pre and probiotics, and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm going to recommend that will help you elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now, and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. Elamine. Yes. Everybody's been talking about whether or not we need to strike Johnny McDonald's name from the schools, from monuments, from from... I've been reading about it in editorials and all the papers. And what I want to talk about with you is not whether we should do this or not. I mean, we, we can talk about that a little bit. But what I want to talk about is why the hell are we talking about this? Like, are we just talking about this because the Americans were talking about removal of statues? Is that why we're talking about this? The answer to that is absolutely 100% yes. I mean, this is not the first time that there have been people going around being like, we have a lot of monuments to these heroes of colonialism and, and her- heroes of early settler Canada. So maybe we should take these down. For the most part, those voices have been on the fringe. They didn't even warrant rebuffing from places like the established and esteemed Globe and Mail until now. Until now, because, um, you know, there's a there's a movement afoot that is a little bit louder and <laughs> because America's talking about it. Because America, that is so sad. That's so sad that a fringe issue can become the national issue because Americans are doing it. But it's not just because Americans are doing it. The specific hook that this debate has been hung on is the fact that the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, that the teachers union passed a motion asking that the schools be renamed. And that has led to a flurry of usually like, no, this is a terrible idea. Globe and Mail published both an editorial by contributor J.D.M. Stewart titled Don't Hold Sir John A. Macdonald to 2017's Values, to which I was like, well, you can hold him to 1867's values. And he was still a drunk, racist, homicidal maniac. I mean, like even by his own day, he was the only guy talking about Aryans. And I mean, he was a bastard then. So you could hold him to those values and still, you know, not want to name stuff after him. But then the Globe editorial board itself published a piece, Goodbye, Sir John A. Goodbye, Canada. I love the title of that piece. I was furious about that piece when I read it, but I I love the title of it. That's the most dramatic. That's peak Globe and Mail. You might as well just say goodbye to the whole goddamn country. I mean, that's the Globe distilled, right? Like that's... yeah. And okay, to engage with the topic itself, just for a sec, like the, the incredible lack of curiosity in the way that they engage, the, the argument essentially just becomes you, you can't pave over history. And also for everything bad he did, he also was the father of Confederate. It's like, you know what? It's not about paving over history. 
when you make a statue to someone or name a school after someone, you're not just saying, well, this was a, a historical figure of some importance. You're saying that this is somebody to be revered. You're literally putting them on a pedestal. Right. So as a Jew, I don't want to go to like Mel Gibson High School, <laughs> you know? Like that is a statement from society as to who we revere and who stands where and who's in control and who isn't and 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 whether or not you can get away with saying certain things and still be a hero. Have you seen Braveheart? I have never seen Braveheart. Bro, come on. Do I need to see Braveheart? Yes, but also no. <laughs> so the issue itself does like the way that the globe is written about this does not take into account for one second what it might be like to be an indigenous person going to John A. McDonald High School, like why that might not be a good thing isn't even contemplated. But the Globe did publish a piece by Robert Jago. And I say this without any bitterness, but with a certain degree of pettiness. The Globe and Mail's practice and the rest of the Canadian mainstream media's practice of publishing voices that had not been in the mainstream media until they were first published by Canada Land is one that I support wholeheartedly. If we hire somebody to criticize the mainstream media and then the mainstream media hires that person to say the similar similar things in the mainstream press, that is like people's Patreon dollars at work. Please keep poaching our people. That's that's fine. I don't see how you could say that was with no bitterness. Pettiness, no bitterness. I okay. encourage the practice. All right, cool. But Robert Jago, I think, nailed it in saying, sure, Johnny McDonald, like n- nobody is in indigenous communities is really going to oppose removing his name from high schools. But how did the teachers union come in and completely hijack the conversation and make it about this easily dismissible? Like it's the kind of thing that makes a lot of people be like, oh, what are, what are the indigenous people angry about right now? Johnny McDonald's name on a school? Ah, oh, that's, that's, that, that's silly. Don't they have better things to worry about? And in fact, it was this teacher's union that put that on the agenda. Right. And Jago is saying, well, what about all of the dead kids in Thunder Bay? What about all of the indigenous people who are like living the legacy of Johnny McDonald? What about the larger question of decolonization? Like, isn't that not more important because, and, and he makes the point like, you know what, like there's First Nations in Canada, we can like protest and chew gum at the same time. We don't have to choose one issue. But why is priority being given to what the Ontario Teachers Federation wants to talk about? Well, it's because it's what America wants to talk about. I mean, I I don't want to be rude about it to that level, but like, where has a teacher's union been when other people started calling for this, you know, like decades ago, they they weren't, they weren't around for it. But no, I completely agree with Robert Jago. Like in, in this particular instance, there are so many other issues that we're actually having quite a bit of success, at least talking about in the mainstream media that like, maybe we should be focusing on, on, on that, but sure, you know, take his name off stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't seem like the, the the where most activism attention is focused right now. I think it's worth like you know, mommy, where do debates come from? You know, <laughs> like who who determines? Like it, it's still there's this pecking order. I think where if it's an American issue, that will dictate what we debate in Canada, mm-hmm. and if the teachers union brings up an issue, that will trump whatever let's say the Assembly of First Nations wants to talk about. Like that that will be given yeah. more precedence. That that you can you can hang right. a, a dozen op-eds off of that. We still definitely have a hierarchy to who gets to determine the debate, the discourse. Yeah. And I just want to point out this paragraph from uh, from the Globe's editorial. Yeah. Oh, which I mean the whole thing just made me I'm clenching my fist and just anyway, quote, to see the founding of Canada wholly or primarily as an act of injustice and oppression, and the lead founder of Canada as a person whose name needs to be expunged is to have read the story of this country while wearing blinders. Are you kidding? I mean, 
first of all, this textbook like centrism of being like, no, 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 mm -hmm. history can't be fucked with. It's not malleable. Without recognition that somebody else wrote a very specific narrative of history mm -hmm. where apparently an act of injustice and oppression does not factor in whatsoever. For a lot of people in this country, the founding of Canada was in fact wholly and primarily an, an act of injustice, an act of oppression. But but no, there's no room for that in, in a Globe editorial. Yeah, they're, they're sort of trying to play this thing of like, well, you know, sure he had his flaws, but you look at what he did and overall mm -hmm. for all of its ills, isn't it great that there's Canada? It's like, depends who you are, I guess. Well, when did history become like a record of saints, right? Like there's no good reason why we can write down, you know, we can write down the things that he did. He united a country. That is a thing that happened. But we could also do like a pretty good cost analysis of that, of how much um, was lost because of these actions. And there appears to be no room for digesting that in, in public form, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in either case, I think you're right that like the point is not to like have some like, you know, scale where you're trying to determine like good or bad. Yeah. It's like the point is to tell what happened. Yeah. It's like he did a good thing and many bad things. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about CBC Radio. Let's do it. We ran a piece by Nick Fillmore, who is a veteran, uh, I think retired from the CBC, had been a journalist with the National, with Radio One. He's the founder of the Canadian Association of Journalists. So when somebody who has that kind of experience at that institution, and also I think has like some pretty serious credentials in the wider industry of journalism comes and says, you know what? I have like a critique of where CBC Radio has gone wrong. Sure. I'm all ears. And he published a piece for us where he basically laid out the argument that the CBC has lost its way on Radio One, that they're no longer investing in serious programming. Mm-hmm and have taken a turn towards trivial entertainment, focusing on sad stories and feelings. And you took issue with his argument. Real hard. Tell me why. I just thought it was the, a reductive sort of incredibly, like it was an incredibly unfair argument to level against the CBC because those kinds of programming that he's talking about, the programs that he took aims at, tell valuable stories that are not necessarily like what you might call traditional journalism, but they're very good storytelling that open up to news and open up to conversations we should be having as Canadians. But Mr. Fillmore does not believe it to be journalism. And so he criticized it. And specifically, you pointed out that the shows that he was criticizing, which include uh, Out in the Open. Sleepover. Seat at the Table. Our shows hosted by women of color. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have thoughts. Of course you have thoughts. That's why I'm so excited to do this. <laughs> Let's have your thoughts. You made a number of good points. And I, I did not buy necessarily Fillmore's argument that you've got like serious news over here. And then you've got personal storytelling feelings and emotions over here. And in fact, what initially drew me to radio was This American Life, which took those specific personal stories and through narrative and through character was able to tell stories of wide social significance and stories with an incredible amount of journalistic rigor, but told the stories in a, a totally new and evocative way at the time, a long time ago, it was a, it was a very new and evocative way that spoke to me in a way that a news filing never could. Sure. And I think that the legacy of This American Life has a lot to do with why when I turn on CBC Radio 1, 
I'm hearing a lot of people just telling their own personal stories. And in fact, Leslie Merklinger, who is the executive, I think, who has a lot to do with what new shows get on the CBC, specifically cites this new generation of radio producer who grew up with This American Life. And that's why our emphasis is on personal storytelling. Yes. So I'm with you that like those two things are not mutually independent. Of course. But I totally know what Fillmore is talking about. Okay. I totally know what he's talking. When he says that the CBC has gotten soft and fuzzy. You can't have it both ways, man. You can't know what he's talking about, but also support this this notion that storytelling has changed and, and the CBC is responding to different ways of storytelling. Because whatever argument you're about to make was not in Nick Fillmore's piece. That's what bothers me the fucking most about it, is that Nick never at a certain point was like, oh, CBC's trying to, you know, like lean on this tradition of personal storytelling, but it's not doing it well. That's a critique. Lay it on me, Nick Fillmore. But that is not what he did. Yeah. That's not what he did. He just, he just was like, I, there, you know, there's a lot of feelings on the radio. And every time I put on my radio, there's all these feelings. And while shows like The Current and As It Happens remain great, there's all these shows that are just like talking about like women's body hair and I don't know what to do with it. And that is completely which is, unfair. A, which is a specific example of a story that I think takes a personal issue. And I think that Pia Charpati is, is, is a fine journalist. Yes. And I think that having a discussion about, like, that is a discussion, as you point that out. That episode was brilliant. About race and class and, and, and gender. And it's about, it's about a lot of things, right? Yeah. I'm not here to represent Nick Fulmore. Fulmore. He's a big guy and he's... He's a grown-up man, and he can represent his argument He's a big himself. guy you published. You know what I mean? But, uh, oh, sure. We published lots yeah. of opinions. And we, sure. In fact, we published a response piece by Siobhan Ozege. We're not here to restage the debate of Fillmore versus Ozege. We can talk about what's on CBC Radio, just me and you here. Yes. And um, I'm going to bring up something that I think is difficult to talk about, but I, I feel like it's got to be said. And, and, and I don't want to repeat something that I think was a weakness in Fillmore's argument, where I don't know how carefully he listened to the shows he was criticizing. Yes. And I have not listened thoroughly to those shows either. I've listened They're to a good bit. shows. I, I, you know what? I'm not going to lay any kind of specific complaint at, at any one of those shows because I haven't listened to them thoroughly enough to do that. Okay. I have the experience of turning on CBC Radio 1 and turning it off a lot. And I don't even know which show I'm listening to. I'm too often, for my taste as a listener, subjected to some kind of This American Life light where they are putting on somebody who's telling a personal story, but the journalistic rigor of connecting that to a larger issue and extrapolating from the specific to the general and doing the research is not there. And the fact that that often is on a show that is hosted by a woman of color, I feel... We need to talk about what I've heard referred to as the racism of lower expectations, where I feel like the CBC realizes they have a representation problem and a diversity problem. And so they go and commission shows to deal with that problem. And they want it to be modern and evocative of this new generation of this American life type storytelling, but they do not resource it as if it was a serious current affairs or news show. And they do not hold it to the same rigorous standards. And they're sort of just happy to get a half hour of personal storytelling that they can throw up and say, okay, we've dealt with our diversity problem and this is a very modern show. I mean, like, that's an argument that you can make. It's it's really hard to land that argument without citing any specific examples. Like, I'm super happy for you that you turn off your radio and then do something that you want to listen to. But as someone who listens to those shows, like, I find that the rigor is there and I find, like, the producers put in the work. Your argument sounds, it even sounds good. Like It's like, it sounds musical and like, it makes perfect sense as a critique, but I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, yeah. I don't know what shows warrant that critique. So yeah. is it is it out in the open? 
Irina was a sleepover, which is like not really a journalistic show. It's not meant to be. No, it's, like this, it's, it's definitely sleepover. The couple episodes I've heard of that where I, I'm like, what, why is this? I, and I'll, I'll trace that back. The first time I heard this kind of like, it seems like they're trying to do this American life, but it's just not there was on definitely not the opera for many years. Pointless personal storytelling for, for you know, and, that, and there I feel like I've listened to enough of it to say like I was tearing my hair out at just so what? So what? I don't necessarily need a copycat where you have Ira Glass come and say like, well, that was Timmy's story. And now act one, a three month exhaustive investigation as to what Timmy is experiencing firsthand. But, but it, it would just sort of, there'd be a story that wasn't very carefully constructed or edited. And it would just, well, you're right. Of- they can't every, not everybody can remake this American life in 20 different forms, because if they did that, they would just be doing this American life. But I think they're trying to find interesting new ways to get into it. There's a lot more chat happening than I think a lot of listeners are used to. Mm-hmm. I failed to see the problem. I, you mean like that's interesting to me. There's as a, a lot of pop culture discussion that I feel like if anything isn't CBC radio there, like to be the one place. Now you're just starting to sound like an old person. Like, I know. All these people are talking about their feelings and, and their pop culture references. <laughs> like it's not a critique that's, <laughs> that's like based in anything other than stuff is changing and I don't think I like it. Well, I, you know what? You're, uh, I think, what's the word? Winning here in that uh, <laughs> you're talking to somebody who like, like literally like I don't know what I'm talking about to the extent that I can't tell you which shows because I'm not listening anymore. And if ultimately I can clutch. Is that your critique? Though, that you're not listening, like that it doesn't capture your fancy. That, that's I'm not why sure I'm going to try to land this and, and, and save myself somehow is that I think ultimately this is an attempt on the part of CBC Radio to appeal to a younger generation. That's I think right. they're doing so at the expense of their existing listenership and they're definitely turning a lot of people off. And okay. ultimately, Hold on. No. we will know. Um, no, no, no. I'm not going to let you proceed past that crazy point you just said. That most of the schedule is occupied by heavy hitters, right? The current as it happens, Metro Morning, here and now. It's not like those shows have gone away. It's like they've made some room here and there in the schedule for interesting different ways of telling the stories. By the way, I think stories that are meant to live mostly as podcasts. The fact that they have a place in the radio at all, I'm sorry, is great offense to some people, I guess, because I like they have a natural home as a podcast. I'm not even saying they're good. I don't listen to every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And if I listen to every single one of them, they'd have a demo problem because they have a very specific demographic named Elamine and not everybody else. I, I sure as <laughs> fuck hope that they don't make every show to appeal to me. Yes. But all I'm saying is the fact that they make some shows is sound a little bit podcasty that they put on the air is like not a crime like you know what i mean you know what i want to hear a show about first nations issues that is as rigorous as the current is that's what i'm saying i'm saying that like the turn towards trying to be more representative is great but they're making a whole new kind of show when they do that and i would argue and this i, I guess is a completely but they subjective have thing an, not as good the but they have but good. they have a new indigenous voices program have you heard it which one I think it's called New Fire. I can't remember if that's the title. Yeah, I've of it. heard a couple episodes. Of it. Okay, well then, what do you want? You know what I mean? Like, there. I don't find it as rigorous. Or I don't find it. it's a show that has like uh, again, again. I'm going to offend producers who are working really hard on it's it. It's a feeling based thing. on listening to a couple of episodes. Yeah, but I'm listening to stuff that I'm like stories where it's like thing happened, and I know that in story meetings where I've been present, somebody would say, "So what? Take it further. Dig down deeper. Tell me more about that. Go go further. Get more voices." The, like the tradition of CBC Radio, I'm not hearing it in a lot of the new stuff they're doing. And I'll say this to the to the argument: and the stuff that you're not hearing because you're not listening. Well, you know what I mean? Like, that, I, that I'm I'm not, I'm not listening to thoroughly, uh, but I which I have heard. But I'll say this: you are right that they're making these shows as podcasts concurrently as, and, I, and maybe they're even making them for podcasts first. And I can tell you, cause I keep a close eye on the podcast charts. 
they're not doing well. Somebody knows something is the highest Canadian ranked podcast. Oh, you want to talk about that show? What do you want? That what do you want? Somebody knows something is garbage. I will contrast it with Who Killed Alberta Williams, which was a CBC podcast by Connie Walker, which was, I thought, an excellent podcast. Somebody Knows Something was an amoral show that drove me nuts. If you're going to open up in total copycat of American crime podcasts, we're going to dig into a cold case. Where did this child go? Episode that kind of cast suspicion at the parents. I'm like, if you're going to cast suspicion on these parents, and if you're going to bring up the idea that you're investigating the cold case of their disappeared son, somebody better fucking know something. And nobody knew anything. Nobody knew anything. One more point of critique that this is more like a problem with Nick Fillmore's piece than you really, but I don't know. You can take it on his behalf. Is that the greatest irony is that if he had heard any of these podcasts, he wrote this line about how it's practically criminal that the CBC doesn't have a like a climate, envir- change. Yeah, a climate change crisis podcast. But if he'd listened to any of those podcasts. Well, he didn't say podcast. He said show. No, show. That's right. Yeah. But if he had heard any of these podcasts, this is what we, what he would have heard. He would have heard that CBC is debuting a new podcast hosted by CBC meteorologist Johanna Wagstaff. And it's supposed to be called 2050 Degrees of Change. What do you people want? I mean, listen to them. And then see what they're actually doing and then level the critique. I have no problem with the critique. Yeah, it is totally criminal that the CBC doesn't have a show on climate change crisis. But one's That's why out. they're about to have one. And I'll say this for Fillmore. Uh, that is something that we editorially should have caught. We'll, 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 we will wear that one. Okay. Yeah. You should wear that one. Now is the time on our show where we thank our second sponsor. Now, hold on a minute. <laughs> Let's just sit with you wearing this L for a minute. Good. Was that, was that long enough? Yeah. Hold on. Wait. Perfect. Now is the time on our show when we thank our second sponsor, Casper Mattresses. Elamine, after a day of victory and and <laughs> righteous conquest, you must be so tired. Oh boy, am I ever. Upon a Casper mattress is where I rest in my shame and defeat. Yes. And it's hella comfortable. Listen. Even though I have a great deal of victories in my days, Mm -hmm. I'm not being paid to say this, but I own a Casper mattress and it's the best thing in my house. Like aside from my baby, like it goes baby, close second Casper mattress. It's a really good mattress and it's cheaper than all of the other like premium mattresses that you're going to find in the showrooms. And you'll skip that whole process of going to a mattress showroom. You don't need that in your life. You don't need to lie down in your clothes on a variety of mattresses under fluorescent lights. You can just buy... A Casper mattress, one perfect mattress with just the right sink and just the right bounce at a shockingly fair price that combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface. With over 20,000 reviews, it has an average 4.8 star review. It is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. They just ship it to you in a box that is kind of shockingly small. You can try it risk-free for 100 nights in your own home, and if you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything. Elamine, it is designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. of A. Good to know. And this is the best discount you're going to find, Elamine. Well, you already have one, so you're not going to find it. But listeners of this podcast, you may see ads here and there for 50 bucks off of a Casper mattress. Listeners of this podcast get $65 Canadian off of any Casper mattress. 65 bucks Canadian. That is the best discount out there. Go to casper.com slash CanadaLand. Use the promo code CanadaLand. Terms and conditions apply. Let us duly note things. Let's do it. Let's duly note things. What have you? Oh, I thought you were going to start. 
I can start if you want me to start. No, man, I'd love to start. Please. I just want to tell you about this uh, excellent episode of uh, Out in the Open. It's a CBC podcast. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I know it sounds like it's like a callback to the thing wow. that I just did where I just won. It's just like but a like, victory lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah it right. is. It is. But it's really good. It's really good. It's actually a pair of episodes. I think it was like maybe two weeks ago and then a week ago. Okay. And one of them was about masculinity and manning up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was about the things that fathers can't say. And they're just absolutely fantastic man there's there's this one story in the the, the the episode about things that fathers can't say where this guy is like you know i just had a really hard time because i didn't i didn't love my child i met this child and i did not love my child right away which is an incredibly brave thing to admit and he just goes on i think they they left that one like pretty tightly edited and like pia rightfully got out of the way of it like it's a perfectly told story of this guy who was like I didn't love my child at first and I really struggled with that because I was not sleeping at all and I didn't know how to care for this human being. Yeah. And the stigma around admitting something like that and then eventually later coming around and being like, yeah, I now love my child, but it took like eight months for us to be okay. I've heard that from some dads that the bonding took took time. It's a brave thing to admit for sure. Yeah. That is a show that I've enjoyed in the past. They did a great episode on on the Colton Bushy thing and uh, people should check out CBC's Out in the Open. Duly noted. Thanks, pal. I want to duly note another Globe and Mail editorial (laughs) from the editorial board, the headline of which read, sorry, Mike Duffy, but you made your own reputation. (laughs) I, I mean, all I want to say is that for a newspaper to look at the Duffy trial, the Duffy scandal, and not primarily be asking the question, what does it mean for the prime minister of Canada to influence the RCMP to rally the court system to basically bring the full force of the state down upon his political enemy? And is that right? And how did that happen? And why was... Nigel Wright spared the same, how can you prosecute somebody for taking a bribe and not somebody for giving? And how did that all happen without us ever getting any clear answers as to like, what like what ultimately is the relationship between the PMO and the RCMP? Is, is it like the prime minister's secret police? Like what is going on? And instead to take this, sorry, Mike Duffy, <laughs> you made your own reputation. You spent too much money and you never lived in where you said you'd, I, I, that's what you have to say about this? Maybe it's an entry point. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> Duly noted. We reported some news this week about the Globe and Mail. You did? A newspaper you may be familiar with. Oh, yeah. No one love. The Globe and Mail is cutting back on print. Again, they've already cut back on distribution to, to the Maritimes. That was news this summer that uh, like it's, it's, I mean, it hasn't been a national paper for some time. Mm-hmm. There are lots of places in this country where you can't get the Globe and Mail. So Canada's national newspaper of record is not really available in many parts of this country. But uh, what we reported, what we learned is that this winter, there's a major redesign coming to the Globe and Mail, the results of which are going to be that if you pick up a Globe and Mail during the week, or at least Monday to Thursday, there's some question about the Friday edition. It's a two-section newspaper from now on. No art section, no sports section. Right. Uh, some arts coverage within those two sections. And there'll be like a big bonanza paper on the weekend. 
but during the week you basically have news an opinion and then you're gonna you're gonna have business and that's the golden mail mm-hmm. and uh i don't know does it matter mm, no of course not you don't think so it doesn't matter as long as the money that they save from that is going back towards good journalism, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, but hold on a minute. Okay. Like, that's that's got to be. We listen. I used to work at a convenience store many years ago, and people would come in and they would buy a Global Mail. Yeah. And they would, I shit you not, just pick up a newspaper, take out the business section, and keep it. And then just throw the rest of it. Like, I've seen that happen all the time. The same goes for, like, the Toronto Star people just, like, used to take out just the sports section. Mm -hmm. I totally get prioritizing um, the sections that you put in print in the weekday. Does that mean bad things for arts coverage? No, of course not. I feel like most people who are interested in arts coverage are probably going to get that online. Like, I don't think, you know what I mean? Like, we have to stop treating the physical print product as, like, the sacred cow, holy grail. Oh, I agree with that completely. That can be fucked with. I, I think there's a couple of things that have to be said about this. One is that like, I mean, I, and we know this from talking to a lot of people at the Globe, everyone's just sort of quaking in their boots as to like what this means. Like a big redesign of the print product. On the one hand, like I don't read the print product. What does that matter? Yeah. But I think it's still a paper where what's in print dictates where priorities go. And it's kind of like here, we have committed to a certain podcast release schedule. So at a minimum, we're going to put out those podcasts. Right. And then there's a bunch of other stuff that we do. Why does the Globe and Mail's print organization, what section is where, matter? Because that's what they're committed to doing. They're going to do this every day and they're committing to certain sections and then other things become malleable. So a lot of people know that this is when columnists lose their jobs or people get reassigned. You know, big redesigns like this, it's when moves are made and decisions are made editorially that they've been wanting to make for a while. Right. And I think it matters for that reason. I also see it as kind of like a lame half step. Like I think that... Obviously, the trends for a long time have been moving towards, if you wanted to get ahead of the trends, get rid of your print product entirely, or just do the weekend edition where you're still making decent money off of the ads right. and go online. And this is sort of a half measure, you know? So there's there's that aspect but to it's it. But it's, you know, it's keeping the, the things that are the globe's bread and butter. So I get it. Yeah. I think that maintaining a physical business section, yeah. you know- I, I see your point. There's still, I mean, it's the innovator's dilemma. You're going to have to deny your core audience something if you actually want to claim some relevance in the future. Yeah. And perhaps now I am arguing against the very argument I just made in terms of the CBC Radio 1 and their, their existing- I wasn't going to point it out at all. I was going to let you just keep making that argument. I'll in, take both sides of this. In I'll, favor of innovation and, you know, just trying to find a new way forward. Well, you know, you put a lot of energy into disassembling me before I figure I would <laughs> help you out this time around. Thanks, pal. Listen, this is not the first time that the Globe- Like, the Globe hasn't been available in Newfoundland for- what, four years now? Five years? Like, it's been a, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. So to hear that Eastern Canada thing for people in Newfoundland, I was like, oh, really? Because we haven't had that in such a long time. But I think Philip Crawley did say that they're, in fact, adding a new Eastern Canada reporter. So that's that's one way to sort of... This is the ideal version is, is like... Invest that money back into journalism. Kill your legacy costs, kill your print and distribution costs, put it back into the journalism. Is sure. that actually going to happen? You know, maybe they'll come out with a sick arts and entertainment app in the in the fall. You know what I mean? Like you don't know what could happen. You know, when you said before, like, well, who cares? People just get their arts coverage online. I mean, that's true. That is where people go to talk about the art that they love. 
Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. They go online. Yeah. And I think that we're going to hear a lot of kind of crocodile tears from the arts industries in Canada about this, as if like, you know, the Globes arts coverage really matters greatly and and reducing their commitment to arts coverage is going to have huge ramifications for all of the fine arts in Canada, blah, blah, blah. The truth of the matter is their arts coverage has been pretty pitiful during the week for a long time. And, you know, like it's the kind of thing of like you've reduced it to such a degree that now will anyone really care or miss it? To the larger question of like, well, people are getting that online anyhow. Yeah, it's easier than ever to find like discussion of a new big album. But for actual Canadian arts coverage, there's like nothing these days. A criticism? Both features and criticism. There's, I think the Post does pretty good criticism. How much of it do they publish? Dude, are you talking about a physical print product? No, I'm, I mean like what you read online. Like, like it feels like there's never been less actual just like here's what's going on here's what's coming up here's a feature about what's behind it and here's a criticism of whether it was good or not i feel like there's never been less in canada like it's it's there's a huge you know we we have the imposter which initially was like oh there's a lot of stuff being ignored let's make a show to look at that and and now it's it's we certainly can't claim that we are picking up all the slack and we're covering everything that's going unreported Mm -hmm. the imposter i think picks stuff that it finds really really interesting and does a terrific job of of covering it but there's still like a vacuum there's a huge opportunity for somebody to come i think and and actually do good arts coverage yeah. yeah but it's it's uh it's a blind spot i'm with you there Elamine, thank you. It is absolutely my pleasure. Yeah. I, f- I feel good. I feel really good. How do you feel? I don't feel so good today. I'm so, so, so sorry, buddy. <laughs> That's your candle and shortcuts. You can email me. I read what you send me and I respond when I can. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. And we're on Twitter at Canadaland. Elamine, where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Elamine88. That's E-L-A-M-I-N-8-8. I am considering to changing it uh, to, wow, I just defeated Jesse so hard, but I won't. You can also read Elamine's dad, daddy column in Chatelaine Magazine. It's just a column. The first one is about parenting. We're going to do, uh, doesn't matter. Just read it. You're like a mommy blogger, but a dad. Not at all. I literally just said, oh. Like us on Facebook if Don't. you want to get our news stories in your feed. Our website is CanadaLandShow.com. Our crowdfunding site is Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Hey, if you want to listen to us on Spotify, just search for CanadaLand, but don't hit enter. Scroll down and you'll find us there somewhere. The producer of CanadaLand Shortcuts is Russell Gregg. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do, please support us. 